0: the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness.
1: Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
0: Acts chapter 2 is a sermon that Peter preached. He first tells what's going on and why, is he quotes Old Testament Scripture. But then in verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I want to tell you, that's a way to start a sermon about Jesus. And that's what we want to do today here on Exploring the Word. And if you have your Bibles, you can join us. Alex, let me, before we get into it, uh, we put your dad's picture, a World War II a uh, veteran of d-day and here mm-hmm. he was a tail gunner on an airplane put that up on on facebook brent's done that and man people are enjoying seeing that so we invite folks to go to uh wow. to the facebook of exploring the word and he's putting something else on there today today's a special day in mine and jan's uh life alex
2: okay it will
0: tell us it is our wedding anniversary
2: well happy anniversary praise god a very godly wonderful couple yeah and uh may i ask what year this is
0: okay yes we were married in 1974 so this makes our 49th year uh for us being married we're praising the lord for it and thanking and so there are some pictures on Facebook. Brent's been—he said, "Man, they—they uh, they like to know something about you and and Alex." And so I said, "Well, 49th wedding anniversary is a pretty big deal." So we yeah. put that up today, brother.
2: Well, what a testimony! Congratulations, and oh my goodness, I have all the respect in the world for you, Bert. But I also for Jan Harper. She's an amazing woman of God, and I know I speak for. Countless people listening. Uh, a very, very sincere happy anniversary. Well,
0: thank you, man, and uh, we thank God for that. Let, I think I've told this, and I know we got to get with it. But the first time I saw her, I was in church. I was in choir, and uh, they they didn't have tryouts. They just let me set up there. And uh, so anyway, on that particular Sunday, it was right after school was getting out, and we had some grandchildren visiting their grandparents. You know how that is the first Sunday after school's out. And looked out there, and Jan was there. And I told my friends, now she has red hair, beautiful red hair. I told my friends to leave the redhead alone. She's mine. And Uh uh, I did. Now, it took me three or four months to get up enough courage to ask her for, quote, a date. But she said yes, and thank God for that. But anyway, 49 years,
2: thank God. Amen, amen. And, and, you know, isn't God faithful? Oh, man. Um, It's funny. um, Earlier today I was talking to a young man, uh, a seminary student, and, you know, he was praying for two things, God's direction for his future life, and then he's praying for a wife, right? And I said, well, I can tell you God is faithful. And when it is just such a beautiful thing when two young people— that are committed to Jesus, get married, and begin to build a Christian home. Amen. It is the most, the grandest, most glorious adventure, isn't it? It is.
0: To have my wife as my best friend and also accountability partner, the person that helped me grow at that time in my life uh, as much as more than anyone, it's been a great blessing and continues to be. So, anyway, Amen. happy anniversary, Jan, if you're listening.
2: Well, wonderful. That That is great. And uh, just I want to praise God. Last night, you may recall, folks, uh, we had seven very wonderful young people on the program from the summer camp that we're doing, the Equip Christian Camp. And I, I do want to thank uh, Brent Austin and Bert uh, for letting us have the kids on. Well, last night, I'm telling you, we had an amazing worship service. I we think- sang, the praise band played, and then we had an altar call. And... It was a lot. I can send some pictures to Brent. I don't know, but a couple of dozen kids came forward to make sure that they know Jesus. And I just want to thank everybody for praying. I uh, drove back to North Carolina. Now, the camp will be going on till Friday, and I've got some incredible staffers there assisting me. But I came back uh, to do today's issues and some other radio, got in this morning very early. But uh, Bert... The spirit of the Lord moved in a mighty way, and we had kids saved last night. We had kids praying for their peers, praying praying for this country. Uh, one last thing before Acts chapter two. It just moves my, her, moves my heart when high schoolers and middle schoolers want to pray for America. Amen. I mean, they get it that our yeah. nation needs to turn back to to Christ. We need to turn back to truth. And when you've got you know a hundred and fifteen or twenty teenagers wanting to come to an altar and pray for the nation, uh, that just in my heart I say, Lord, I'm I'm recommitted all over again.
0: Amen. May they tr- their tribe increase. Uh, for those that are listening, let's pray for our young people, those children, our grandchildren. I know I do uh, each and every day, and uh, so. Man, they know there's need for Christ, and so let's make it known. Alex, that's what Peter found out. Uh, He took this opportunity, and he preached an awesome message, and I talked about it yesterday. Notice what it is. He makes a beeline for Jesus. One of the first things I ever heard after I, quote, surrendered to preach, or after I said, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do, the best advice I ever got was, Open your Bible, make a beeline for Jesus. And uh, so here it is, as I said in verse 22, when he really starts his message, the other is explanation of what has happened in Scripture. But he said, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. Alex, uh, every good sermon, I want to just tell you, uh, I, I yes, sometimes I preach on tithing, sometimes on this, but Jesus is the theme no matter what.
2: Amen. You know, uh, if you ever go to the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center in western North Carolina, uh, there is—have you ever seen, you know, they'll they'll kind of rotate the displays, but there's this one thing that's kind of a, a post office box. It's a shelf with 50 dozen little individual boxes, and Billy Graham would store many of his sermon notes in these things. And the tour guide was telling me one day, said, We showed, you know, here's fifteen hundred uh different sermons Billy Graham had. And one of the people in the tour group said, Oh my goodness, wow, fifteen hundred different messages. Amazing. And the, the person said, No, one message. <laughs> just fifteen hundred different ways to present it. Amen. But that one message is Jesus, isn't it? It
0: really is. And notice what he says about him. A man attested by God to you by what? Miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. He did it openly. You remember what they said? He said uh, when they brought him in before the Sanhedrin, he said everything, and to Pilate as well, I've done everything openness. I haven't done all this in secret. I've gone to the temple. I've spoken. I've healed on the Sabbath. And here is a man attested by God. And he did these things. It was affirmed, Alex, and he did it in their midst. So there they could testify of it. Yes, he did those things. And so him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by and you have taken by lawless hands. I've crucified and put to death. Notice the personal pronoun here. You have taken by well, lawless hands. Amen? <laughs> First thing Peter well, does is confront them with the truth, isn't it?
2: Well, let me say, just like there's a personal relationship with Jesus, if you put your faith in the Lord and are saved, you you personally have a relationship with Christ. But if you reject Jesus, you have personal accountability. You know, uh, personal guilt. And so it's right when Peter says, you know, you, you unbelievers that condemned the Messiah to crucifixion, you did this. Bert, i got to do one thing. Forgive me for going backwards. But in verse 22, uh, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. Uh, that's what the King James says. Different translations will say "demonstrated by God." Fascinating word there, but it really means a legal uh, proof. Exhibit A. You know, <laughs> Jesus, a man shown forth or declared by God, proven, demonstrated, exhibited with compelling proof. Uh, what is that proof? Born in Bethlehem, fulfill prophecy did the miracles, uh, multiplied the loaves and fishes, calmed the storm, controlled the weather, walked on water, then ultimately rose from the dead, who else could the Messiah be? Um, I won't belabor this point, but a number of people like Josh McDowell, like Peter Kraft, have looked at, you know, what's the criteria, uh, fulfillment of all the Jewish prophecies, Messiahship, In all of the billions of humans that have ever lived, there is one person and one person alone that could have been the Messiah. Of the the line of of Judah, uh, qualified to sit on the throne of David, born in Bethlehem, Bert, uh, this Jesus of Nazareth... He must be the Messiah, because in all of history, he is the only viable candidate.
0: The only one, the one and only. You remember what they asked him? He said, we would see the Father, and Jesus would say to them, do you not understand when you have seen me, you have seen the Father? I and the Father are yeah. one. Alex, here he is, this man, again, approved. Uh, the word that they used in New King James attested is the is a trial term is a yes is a judicial term attested when you go before you attest something it means that you put your your life on it that it is true and here it did and it and he, it ends with this was crucified and put to death he didn't swoon he was put to death and he doesn't waste any time with verse twenty four telling what happened after the death does he
2: no he doesn't whom God hath raised up. Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Uh, There's no gospel song that says, Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Amen. Verse 24 is
0: some verse. I mean, when you look at verse 24, you can dwell there for a long time. It was not possible that he should be held by it. He wasn't going to be held by death, by the grave.
2: Amen. That song's Uh, right on, brother. Impossible. That the grave could hold back the Lord of Life. Amen. That just uh,
0: that grips you. If you, can, uh, those of you who are listening,
2: get that down.
0: Death could not hold him, and yeah. this he overcame sin and death. That's what verse twenty-four. Our two greatest enemies is sin and death, and Jesus mm-hmm. Christ victorious over those. And now he is living. And he is making intercession for those who have put their faith in him. If you have not put your faith in him, Alex and I are praying that you would turn to Christ today. He will deliver your soul, and he is worth it all. We'll be back with more of Acts chapter 2 right after the break. Don't go away. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Holy Radio. God.
2: Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so honored that you're listening. We're in Acts chapter 2, roundabout, verse 24-25. You know, uh, prior to the break, we were talking about the fact that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. Praise God. And every believer also will conquer their grave. If you're a believer in Jesus, you will be raised up. Bert, uh, only Christianity, only the Christian message has hymns like, I'll Fly Away, When We All Get to Heaven, they, The Uncloudy Day, We Shall See Jesus. Um, I'm going to throw a big 85 percent word. Eschatology means end-time things. Do you know, folks, uh, atheism doesn't have any joyful songs of the redeemed. Secular humanism can't rejoice and sing about the the wonderful life to come. Only Christianity has songs about the Great Reunion Day coming. And uh, as Johnny Cash sang, I'll be there. I'll be there in the first resurrection when he comes. We have something to sing about.
0: Amen, Alex. Way to put it. Now, let's look at verse 24 again. I could say we could stay here. The word, the way it's worded here in verse 24, whom God raised up having destroyed the pains of death. He, mm. it will. have you ever heard it, the death of death? That's oh, that's praise God. That's what he has done for us. And you said it, uh, only Jesus meets the criteria for which uh, we're looking for a Messiah. I want to tell you, he is the only one that could meet it. Yes. Uh, he's the only one that did. He's the only one that could. Uh, Billy Sunday would preach a sermon, and it was about Jesus, of course. And and he he said, just imagine God in heaven trying to find somebody to come to earth to, to be the sacrifice that was needed. Uh, and he goes to Moses, the great lawgiver, and he says, oh, Moses, would you go? He said, I would, but he wouldn't do any good. I need a redeemer. Abraham needed a redeemer. King David needed a redeemer. And he finally goes to his son. Now, again, this is just, you know, trying to get the story out. And Jesus, the very perfect son of God, told his father, I'll go. And Alex, he is the one. There's no other. Uh, John asked it, and you referred to it yesterday, Tom, or the day before about depression. And John, being depressed, he sent word. He said, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? And Jesus sent word. Look what I've done. The gospel is preached to the poor. The dead are raised. They are healed. I am the one. So all the people who are looking for life, you will not find it in alcohol. You won't find it in drugs. You won't find it in immorality. You won't find it in a different identity, trying to identify Mm. you something else. You'll not find it in any physical relationship, no matter what. The only place that this can happen is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Alex, verse 24 I, I just—you <laughs> can tell—I I didn't know if we'd get past it or not. This—we're we spending a lot <laughs> of time on it, but I, I love that he destroyed the pains of death. Listen, yes. we don't have to fear death, do we, as believers?
2: We don't, Bert. As as a minister, take a guess—I mean, how many funerals do you think you've oh, conducted? Oh man,
0: two or three hundred, probably. And I, I again—I've yeah. done a lot. I pastoring for many many years i haven't ever i have not i I started keeping up with it then i lost track but it's it is more than a 100 possibly two
2: well and i've not done that many but i've done a lot um and not only church members and colleagues and people that we've known that have asked me to officiate their funeral but some family members too and you know here's the thing sure i mean Like Paul, Paul said, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. The thing about it, um, I just I don't get all that sad. You know, I mean, you know, you're sentimental, and there's memories, and it's it's not easy to say goodbye to a loved one. But when they're a born again believer, and you know, hey, it's just temporary, and they're in heaven, and they've there's no more sickness or sorrow of any kind, and there's a reunion day soon coming. Um, Here's the thing, and I heard Erwin Lutzer preach on this, but um, Lutzer, a beloved colleague in ministry, he has a book called One Minute After You Die, and he basically says this. He said, look, um, let's say that life is hard, and you struggle, and you sacrifice, and there are a few mountaintops, but a whole lot of valleys, but one second... After you step into the presence of Christ, the glories of heaven, eternal joy, Lutzer said, and we would concur, you will know, dear friend, it was so worth it. Uh, And rejoice, just as Peter at Pentecost is preaching, the the entirety of the Christian message is proven by the empty tomb and the resurrection. Rejoice. Keep on keeping on, Christian. Don't throw in the towel. Don't despair. There's a brand new day coming, and I think coming very soon. And uh, everything that we have in our risen Savior makes the faithfulness we invest in this life for the Lord worth it. Amen, Uh, and, And again, only Christianity can promise you this. It
0: is. Now, what Peter does in his sermon, and again, I think you're right in the eschatology part. He said Jesus proved it himself. And now it is confirmed by the Old Testament. And in verse 25, he talks about David, what he said concerning him. This is in Psalm 16.
2: I'll just read it, Alex, and then
0: we'll make comment if that's okay. Uh, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope. Because you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you make me full of joy in your presence. Alex, there's that joy that you were talking about, and Peter expresses that as he goes back and pulls David's testimony. David couldn't be talking about himself, but he was talking about Jesus Christ and none other, wasn't he?
2: He really was, o- only Jesus. and I'm so glad you mentioned that Psalm 16. It's brief, but but you really ought to read it. Um, and verse 26 therefore did my joy, My tongue was glad. moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. By the way, while we're referencing the Old Testament, take a look at Job chapter 19, "My flesh, though worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh I will see God. I mean, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, how could Job have known about the Redeemer? And he uses the word Redeemer. (laughs) And the return, Job says he will stand on the earth at the last day, and there's resurrection. So we we do rejoice and we have hope. Verse 27, uh, because thou will not leave my soul in hell. Uh, That's really the grave, in the original language, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Jesus's body would not lie in decomposition, but would resurrect. Hey, by the way, um, Acts 2.27 in the English is really, and let me just chase a, a brief, but I think important theological rabbit trail. Bert, um, I believed... And I was taught growing up that the way Christ paid for our sins was that he burned in hell to pay for our sins. Years later, I I learned and I realized that really the atonement, the payment for our sins, was on Calvary's cross. Amen. Um, Jesus entered the realm of the dead. And as they would write, he spoiled the grave. But Acts 2.27, in the King James, it says, Thou will not leave my soul in hell. And that led some people to believe that, well, Jesus must have died and gone to hell bearing our sin. Uh, That's As I understand it from the best commentators in my own study, including people like Billy Graham, that, that wasn't the case. Jesus did not burn in hell. Um, Jesus suffered the wrath of God, unspeakable pain and suffering on the cross. And it was on Calvary's cross, really like a lamb on the altar, Passover. But it was on the cross where our sins were paid. Would you agree? I agree
0: fully. And he went to a place there. You remember when you have the rich man in Lazarus, the rich man went to hell. Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. And this is all before the cross and Jesus' ascension into heaven after his resurrection. Uh, it was the place of departed spirits. And it, if you remember, there was a great gulf fixed between them. Jesus went to there, led captivity pra- uh, pra- uh, captive, preached to the saints, and took them to heaven. And so I fully agree with you. Alex, let me make one more statement here, and you may want to get back. Notice what's in here in this passage. Notice it talks about it in verse 26, rest in hope, and then in verse 28, full of joy. In your life, in my life, and in the life of all of the saints that have taken Christ as Savior, there should be that hope and that joy, the hope of knowing that God, it's a certain hope. It's not a hope so or maybe so. It is a no so hope that God has started a good work, and he will complete it and it brings joy. And not only that, that we may be full of joy in your presence. That's it. That's why the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us. His presence is in us. Jesus said, I must go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. But when he comes, He's going to fill you up. You're going to do greater things through him than you could ever imagine. And I'm paraphrasing, but here it is, hope and joy. Right here, the first sermon that is ever preached after the resurrection of Christ by one of the apostles, Peter, is filled with hope and joy. I want to just tell you, that hope exploring the word every time we get on. Yes, we're going to talk about the issues. Yes, we're going to talk about what sin does. But we hope and know that you will have the hope and joy that only comes through a resurrected Lord. That's the truth, isn't it?
2: Amen. Amen. Uh, That is the truth. And I I love how Peter preaches here in 29 and 30. Uh, David built a throne, and Jesus would sit on that throne. Uh, Peter preaches. He says, look, David, one of the patriarchs and and a prophet, verse 30 of Acts 2 says King David was a prophet, and that, and that's true. But it says he's dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. But knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. So the Messiah would sit on the throne of David. Now that might sound unusual because Jesus is bigger, better than King David. King David the great king of Israel, but yet he was a human. Now, let me just say something here. Bert, do you remember a book some years ago by Robert Munger, My Heart, Christ's Home? Yes, do I do. That? I do, yes. And, you know, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade was famous for preaching about let Jesus be on the throne of your life. Right. Okay. King David, Solomon built the temple. David got the 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 timber to the building site. Uh, but here's the thing. We're, in a way, by winning the lost, and Jesus is on the throne of the heart of every true believer. We're building a throne for the Messiah to inhabit when he comes back. Just uh, And I know it's the Lord. It's not us. John fifteen five, Christ said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the thing, though. David, um, ha- he was king of Israel, and he made preparation for the temple. And Solomon built it, but ultimately Christ, the true Messiah, came to sit on the throne of David. We are to contribute to the building of the church. Uh, As C.S. Lewis said, we want every heart annexed unto King Jesus. And someday Christ is going to return, and the bride that welcomes him, we want that to be as big and numerous as possible, And God can use each of our lives to contribute to that.
0: Amen. And we want him to use your life, those of you who are listening. And you do that by receiving Christ as Savior and Lord, then following him. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not of works lest any man should boast. But it says in the following verse, but we are his workmanship created unto Mm -hmm. good works. In other words, we are a part of that and we're to contribute to it. And verse 31 says, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. There it is. David, the resurrection, that his soul was not left in Hades again or hell, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up of which we're witnesses. He said, we have seen him. uh, We have observed him. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, we've received it. He poured out this which you now see and hear. We're able, we're completing what Jesus said would happen. He said it would happen. It is happening right now. We've had the Holy Spirit come upon us, and the promise of the Holy Spirit is changing it. And those of you who are listening, you have seen it and heard it. Alex, <laughs> Jesus, God has raised him up. And it says, We're witnesses. Now again we haven't seen the risen lord but we're witnesses of his life that has changed our lives aren't we we're witnesses amen. of that he's he's completely redirected our lives to follow him hasn't he
2: Amen A- amen and Jesus said blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe and no I've never seen physically Jesus in person but Oh, my goodness, he is the most real thing in my life. And frankly, the most real thing in this whole world, isn't he? He is. Let
0: me finish verse 35. For David, uh, 34 and 35, for David did not ascend into heaven, but he says himself, the Lord is my Lord. We're going to have to come back to that tomorrow. He said at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. What a Savior we have. I hope you know him. We're going to take your phone calls. The number is 888-589-8840. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. That number, and we've got lines that are open. Matter of fact, Alex... That number is triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. We did such a good job today that nobody has any questions. We answered oh, wow. all their questions. What do you think?
2: You think? That's- well, I'm not sure about that. I think there's probably <laughs> still some questions. But folks, again, that number—if you want to call in today—is the day you will get through. I predict. Uh, it's eight 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 five eight nine eighty eight forty triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Hey, I got to give God the praise. I was on a radio show this morning in Florida. I, I wasn't in Florida, but the stations were in Florida, and the the gentleman was asking some questions, and he recommended a resource of a hundred Bible questions and answers. I've heard of that and, book. I, I've, I've and <laughs> he he read a portion, and I I said, well, if I can humbly say. Uh, look on the cover, because I think the two authors of that book, and yes, it was our book. And um, that was really cool, kind of surreal that I'm doing a radio interview, and the guy, to make a point, quotes a book that you and I wrote, To God Be the Glory. Amen.
0: And another one's coming out. It'll be out this fall, and looking forward to that, praying that God would use it for his glory. Well, people are ready. They Hey, they took your advice and called in. Alex, let's get to as many as we can.
2: Well, we're going to start in my home state of North Carolina, John. John in North Carolina, welcome to Exploring the Word.
3: Oh, hey, Alex. it's nice to talk to you. I know you're from North Carolina,
2: too. Amen, yes. Well, if you don't mind me asking, what part of North Carolina are you in, John?
3: Well, I'm actually from a little town called Dallas, North Carolina, which is about 20 miles west of Charlotte or so.
2: I know where Dallas is. Yes, sir. Yeah, wonderful. Well I'm oh. I'm thrilled we have listeners there in in the greater greater Charlotte area. But um what's your question, John?
3: Well, I've heard some people say that when Noah was building the ark, he preached uh in day's message and I read through um Genesis where it, you know, talks about Noah and he built the ark and I just didn't I don't remember seeing anything about him preaching or not, I just kind of wanted some clarification from you guys. The let, well, the... so
2: yeah. let me jump in on this, and um, Bert, you concur if you would. Second Peter, and I, I've, I'm immersed in Second Peter right now because I'm getting ready for the Cove, July 7-9, through 9, where I'll be doing Second Peter. Uh, chapter 2, verse 5 says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And, and the word translated in the English preacher is really the word for herald or proclaimer of righteousness. So um, in Genesis 6, when it talks about everybody was corrupt, and Noah, for 120 years, worked on that ark and said, look, sinners, judgment is coming, and God is holy, and you better repent and turn to God, and if you want to, you can get on my boat here, uh... I think he was a herald or proclaimer of righteousness along those lines. Would you say so? I
0: would, too. And again, we find out he's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. But second, Peter, Peter adds that to it, a preacher of righteousness. And so uh, I guess you could call him a bivocational pastor, Alex. You know,
2: yeah, here he
0: was. He was building the ark, but he was preaching righteousness as well.
2: Amen. Well, John, thanks for listening and thanks for that good question, uh, Michigan, Kim in Michigan. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
1: Oh, thank you. Hello, Alex and Bert. Just a just a real quick question. Um, I used to be Catholic. I found a book called Case for Faith or Case for Christ. I've read both of them actually, but I was I was just fascinated with it. Fascinated. And started digging in a little bit more, reading Mr. Blomberg's work, reading some of Mr. McFarland's work, um, Robbie Zacharias. And I was just very interested in um, Dr. Norm Geisler. But my question was why isn't the word, the Greek word metanoia, mm-hmm. meta meaning like a transformation, a change, like a metamorphosis, noia meaning the mind, like paranoia, to change your mind? Why mm-hmm. isn't that, up, I guess, more in churches relative to repentance. I know like the Greek word batizel was taken, like um, what do they call it? A transliteration, I believe, from yeah. um, mm-hmm. into the English language. But why isn't that touched on? I was always kind of raised maybe because of the, the uh, church that I grew up in. I'm, I'm not Catholic anymore, of course. I found a great gospel um, church. But why, um, it always made me think like it's, all about confessing your sins which obviously it isn't but um i just love you guys i'll shut up and take my um uh-uh. take your responses off of here
0: <laughs> okay thank you kim alex God bless. uh john the baptist preached repentance that's the word yes. it was repentance and when jesus came along the scene those apostles that would follow him they most of them if not all of them were followers of john the baptist first so the repentance had taken place. They'd even received the baptism of repentance, hadn't they?
2: They had. And you know what? Um, I'm so glad you brought up this word, metanoia. Um, that was a word early in my Christian life. I got very intrigued with that word. Now, we've, we've all heard preachers preach about um, turnaround. You know, if you're heading in the wrong direction, God allows U-turns. And repentance means to turn. Uh, The Greek word metanoia, um, it means to change your mind. And that's true. What are we changing our mind? Well, we're agreeing with God about our sinful state. In Matthew 3, verse 2, Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So there are really, in the New Testament, four dozen verses that say that we must repent of sin. But I'm going to give you one last little insight. Uh, The two... Greek uh, little fragments that make the word meta means uh, with or alongside. And noia, um, you've heard of noetic counseling and newthetic counseling. Well, that means thought. So repentance, it, at its very purest, most basic form, the word metanoia means upon thought. Now, what do we say? you got to think and realize. What do you realize? that we've known the right and we've done the wrong. If you think about it, um, you better get right with a holy God, so you turn to Jesus. So, Bert, I I do realize repentance means to turn away from sin, but I I think that basic, basic root of those words is very instructive. Upon thought, or with a change of your mind, you turn from sin to the Savior.
0: Alex it is so right. Matter of fact, it says, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. The heart, again, it's not our physical heart. It means the innermost being, which most people say that means our mind, will, and our emotions. Guess what? Mind comes first, which you what? Upon thought. You remember the prodigal son? When he came to himself, he chopped yes. his upon thought. He remembered that he had it better back with his father than he had it in the pig pen. And that is the repentance. That's the word, metanoia, as you follow that and upon thought. So we're asking people to think this thing through. Listen, uh, what the world is offering, has offered in the past, offering now, it's nothing. Give it further thought. Look unto Jesus. Thank you for Amen. that good call, Kim.
2: What What a wonderful call. Um, Chris in Ohio. Chris, are you there?
3: Uh, yes, sir.
2: Welcome. Thank
3: you very much. Your program is wonderful. We listen to F.R. Uh, all day long, and so we catch everybody—the bishop—and <laughs> right on uh, through. And uh, great wisdom. Yes. What? Yes. And what a godly wisdom that you project out. Uh, it's we listen and learn every day. I just had a little, oh, a little piece of wisdom that I thought maybe your uh, listeners could. <clears throat> you know, all this talk about, and people look at the color of people's skin. I was a Vietnam veteran, retired from law enforcement, so I've been all over. And yes, there's all uh, God created all this diversity, but guess what? All of our blood is red. Jesus' blood was red. And if you, you know, in all creation, I'm a hunter, woodsman, rugged outdoorsman. In all creation, everything has blood, red blood. And so when we look at of the skin color and the other part gee if we live long enough if we live to a certain age everybody's hair turns white <laughs> isn't that amazing how god did that we're looking at the color of our, the skin and here our hair is white doesn't care what color skin you have
0: <laughs> but the hair is white <laughs> well you're talking about me chris i'm telling you what i've i've it's it was black used to but it Listen, Alex and Chris, we talk about the human race, don't we, Alex?
2: Yeah, there's, uh, you know, people ask about the races. No, there's one race, the human race. Chris, that's a great point. And how uh, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, as they say. Rosemary in Georgia. Rosemary, thanks yes. for holding. You're on.
3: Yes.
1: Thank you. Uh, I was going along with you as you were studying Acts, and I have questions. In verse 34. For David did not ascend into the heaven when he died. Well, and then it says he was in the grave, and he was buried, and he's dead. And then it says that on 31, he's seeing this before he spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. And then I heard you say that Christ went to hell, and he took all the old saints that were dead with him. I understand this.
0: Okay. Okay. Alex, you've done this, and you do it quicker than I do on this. And I'm usually quick, but I take too long on this one. But Jesus did die; he uh, he ascended before he descended, you know, and mm-hmm. to those saints and taking them with him. We find part of that description in in uh, is it Luke 16, where where we have yes. the rich man and Lazarus. But take it from there.
2: Yeah, and so David. Uh, Godly Old Testament David died, his body was buried, his spirit was in heaven, is in heaven, present tense. But in verse 34 it says, David is not ascended into the heavens. The word really means mount up under his own power. See, uh, all believers, Old and New Testament, go to heaven, but not under their own power. Christ takes them to heaven. Now, in Acts 1, where Jesus ascended to heaven... He did that under his own power. But regarding Jesus entering the realm of the dead, uh, what I was going to say, Jesus did not burn in hell for our sins, but if you look at Acts 2, verse 27, he did enter the realm of the dead. Now, prior to the resurrection, uh, as we read in Luke 16, there was uh, a realm called Abraham's bosom, paradise. Okay, there was... Uh, Hades, where the unsaved were suffering, and then there was Abraham's bosom, paradise, where the believers of old were. When Christ went into the realm of the dead, he led captivity captive. To those in Abraham's bosom, he proclaimed salvation and victory, carried their spirits to heaven, where you and I will go, all believers. Uh, They had been in the heart of the earth, Safely awaiting Christ's resurrection in paradise, but uh, Jesus took them to heaven. However, to the spirits in prison, the unsaved, uh, the wicked, unbelieving dead that are still there now. It was a proclamation of condemnation. And so, you know, Bert, um, we're going to, as believers, appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. But the unsaved nations will appear before the great white throne, Um, it says, you know, I saw the dead, small and great, appear before God. You don't want to be at that great white throne, folks, because that will be the final indictment and conviction of of the unbelieving world. Uh, You want to be at the the marriage supper of the Lamb where we'll be rewarded for... And I know this is so much stuff, but there is eschatology, end times things... But there's personal eschatology. Where will I be in eternity? Amen. By believing in Jesus, you know you'll be with Christ. Jackie in Mississippi. Uh, Jackie, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thanks, sir. Uh, the What's question gone? I
3: had is is, is is witnessing. And I would like to know how to witness to a family, friends, and a stranger
0: without having to read a big book. And I know it's got to be something simple. Okay, Amen. listen, uh, Jackie, getting started, uh, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, but for family and friends, uh, listen, your personal testimony is so strong. Some way you say, hey, if it's a family, uh, share with them. Can you remember when I was such and such age, and uh, and did I ever tell you what happened to me? And then be ready to share, and you can do that with the Roman Road. You can do it with the Four Spiritual Laws, Alex. There's so many ways after you get started to tell someone how they can know Christ. So go ahead, oh, Alex. Yeah. This is your area, brother. You, the, well, you're an evangelist you can, for a reason.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I've begun many a conversation by saying, "Hey, can I, can I talk to you?" And you know, very often people know what you want to talk about and say, "Look, you know, I, I care about you." and Before I ask you where you are with Christ, may I share what Christ has done in my life, Uh, and like Bert says, your personal testimony, how I met Christ, and tell people, hey, you can meet Christ. But very often, I ask people for permission. I'll say, can I share a scripture with you? Because, you know, forget Alex's opinion, but may I show you from the Bible what God says about how to be ready for death and we know that we're going to leave this world really death is all around us every day the wisest thing we could ever do is to prepare for eternity and uh, brother we're going to be praying for you let me just say while i encourage everybody to witness and be very much about soul winning very often it is true the hardest people are those closest to us and sometimes The evangelization of family and close friends is achieved through somebody else. Bert, would you agree? It
0: is. What you want to do, let Jesus be Jesus in you. You know, if you talk about Jesus, no matter what, he's just part of my conversation. So he remains a part of my conversation when I'm with family or friends. And uh, listen, God will take that and use a word fitly spoken. Is well said, and God can take it and use it. Thank you, Jackie, Mary, Lee, Chris. We'd have loved to have gotten to you today. Uh, we're going to do it again tomorrow. We're going to study the rest of the Book of Acts, chapter two, and we'll take calls tomorrow as well here on Exploring the Word.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.